0: This is my
1: Mayor Copa. Oh baby, don't lie for me. If I tell you my story, don't cry for me. I tell my time that's fine by me. This is my Maya Copa.
0: This is Michael Cohen and you're listening to the one and only Maya Culpa podcast, now on the Mighty Midas Touch Network. So look for all future episodes of our show behind the blue banner and we're glad you're here. But now for the news. Before we begin today, I want you to remember that there are more of us than there are of them. And that together, together, we can defeat MAGA at the ballot box and bring our nation back to some semblance of sanity and maybe even some unity. We just need to win in November. But today, the news isn't good. I hope the saying, justice delayed is justice denied, isn't true in all cases. April 22nd, 2024, is when the Supreme Court will hear arguments as to whether or not Donald Trump has presidential immunity and can call on SEAL Team 6 to kill his political rivals. And while the question itself is completely fucking absurd, the court's action is equally preposterous. In the words of Chris Hayes, the Supreme Court of the United States Order was a clear, unmistakable sign from the MAGA majority of the Trump-created court that they are with him, that they are going to use their power to make sure that he does not face trial in an election year for attempting to end American democracy. And if that doesn't make you sick, I'm not sure what will. The unsigned order from the court said the justices will consider whether, and potentially to what degree, a former president has immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office. But why take two months to hear a case that was already decided by the D.C. Circuit Court? In December, Jack Smith asked the court to hear the case rather than to have it go to the D.C. Circuit Court. But that was rejected. So I ask why? Why do they need until April? Bush v. Gore took four short days compared to this drawn out delay. And why did it take so long for them to tell us what they were going to take up to the first case in the first place? Now, according to the Honorable Judge Ludig, there is no reason in this world to take on the immunity case unless some members of the court actually believe that Trump should have absolute immunity. So like I said, the case has already been fully briefed, not once, but twice. Every trustworthy legal scholar agrees that Trump's lawyers' arguments are paper thin. And now, somehow, Trump's legal team is supposed to prove that a president can do whatever he or she wants for the rest of their life, essentially giving said president the legal right to kill. I mean, it's too fucking stupid a notion to even be debated. And yet, yet, the Supreme Court just gave Donald Trump the biggest break in his entire criminal career his best hope was to run out the clock before the election and now time has just been handed to him by a court that has abandoned the law and become a political body and as one legal pundit put it this delay in and of itself is immunity if the court had simply refused to hear the case as they should have judge tanya chutkin could have gotten trump's insurrection trial underway now Even if they end up ruling that he's not immune, they have already muddled the waters by pushing the case so close to the election. Jack Smith said in a scathing statement to the court, and I quote, the nation has a compelling interest in the prompt resolution of this case. In all criminal cases, delay can be fatal to achieving just outcome. (laughs) What do I have to say to that? No shit, Sherlock. And it still pisses me off that careful Merrick Garland took so fucking long to hire Smith in the first place. I mean, did the man not have a calendar handy? The January 6th committee fully laid out his case for him back in 2022. And still, still he fucking dragged his feet. And now poor Jack Smith must be seething. With Judge Cannon in Florida slow walking the stolen documents case, this slap from the Supreme Court must feel like the law isn't on his side. And maybe it's not. Listen, I don't believe it is. I've seen what the courts can do. I've seen what the law can do. They do whatever the fuck they want. Maybe, just maybe, this is the undoing of our Constitution by the highest court in the land. And I bet they really hate Jack Smith for constantly reminding them that they are swaying the law, not just calling balls and strikes. And if you didn't think that the court was stacked in favor of Republicans before this ruling, wake the fuck up. It's time that Democrats get serious about expanding the court. And fuck the norms already because they have already broken every single norm that there is and Clarence Thomas should be recused. I mean, there is no way that Jeannie's husband should have any say in this case at all. The Thomases are both insurrectionists for God's sakes, but the court's non-existent ethics will continue to let Thomas do as he pleases. And a former Supreme Court clerk shared an interesting insight saying that Alito and Thomas are both in their 70s and need Trump to win back the presidency so that they can preserve their legacy. So you see, they both want to retire, and if Trump gets back in, he'll just choose two very young, very conservative friends of Leonardo Leo, and this theocratic court will rule like they are God for decades. Say goodbye to our rights and our democracy. Say goodbye to your rights. Goodbye to the separation of church and state. The Bible will be their guide. No constitution needed, except for maybe the Second Amendment because they're going to need guns to keep the rest of us at bay. And now, even as we wait for the court to release its decision on the Colorado Trump ballot ban, Wednesday, Illinois surprised us all and banned Trump from their primary ballot. Why? January 6th, of course, the attempted coup and the insurrection at the Capitol. What Illinois is saying is, and I quote, we don't need the Supreme Court to tell us that there was an insurrection. We saw it with our own eyes. Today, Trump is ineligible to run for office in Illinois and Illinois made an evidence-based choice in line with the Constitution. But we'll see if that holds. Now in the meantime, the court needs to hear from the American public. Let's press them to decide this case quickly and most importantly, fairly. It really is in the best interest of voters as they decide who should be our next president. So call, write, Email, do whatever you can, Google Supreme Court to find their mailing address and phone number. But don't sit idly by. We, we the voters, have the power if we choose to use it. And now for the main event. Today I welcome my friend Donny Deutsch. He's a branding and marketing specialist and popular television personality on all the major networks. But looking for him daily on Morning Joe on MSNBC, Donny is the former chairman of the advertising firm, Deutsch Inc. He has penned two business motivation books, Often Wrong, Never in Doubt, and The Big Idea, How to Make Your Entrepreneurial Dreams Come True. Today, we will be getting Donny's take on MAGA politics and what's left of the Trump brand. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so my friend Donnie Deutsch, welcome back to the show. Let me go. There's so much going on, and the hour goes by quick here. I'm mea culpa. So I just want to jump right in. The GOP tanked a border deal because Trump didn't want a Biden win so close to the election. Mm-hmm. Now, just this week, MAGA moron Mike Johnson called on Biden to take executive action at the border. So what's the catch here? What am I missing? I mean, if Biden takes
1: executive actions, won't that equal a win for the president? Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I was a little flabbergasted at that also. I mean, I think that that's what Biden has to do. You know, the question is interesting. I I say to myself, does the average person follow and understand that the Republicans are blocking the the legislation that would be the toughest legislation on immigration in our lifetime? And what was interesting was in the third district congressional race with Swazi uh, running for Santos seat, he's a Democrat. and He ran on immigration. He ran on that, saying that the other side is killing it. And he won. So maybe that message is getting through. I don't know. But Biden has to <coughs> one way or another. I, I actually I'm excited about the State of the Union address and thinking maybe he will mention something. But as far as why Mikey Johnson uh, did tee that up, I don't understand any of it, frankly.
0: It it, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, imagine that a former president... First of all, I think that Trump should have been arrested for it. He's interfering in the national security of our country. Mm -hmm. He's interfering. It's almost like treason, if you think about it. He's almost running a shadow government within our system. He, as Mm -hmm. a former president, is communicating with members of Congress even though he's not the Republican nominee as of yet, and telling them to kill a deal and not work with Democrats, not work with the president, because by doing so would equate to a win for Biden, which would hurt him in the upcoming November 2024 general election. He
1: said he wants the economy to tank. I mean, you know, the average person hears this and doesn't understand that this guy is just for him and he could give a fuck about the average voter uh is astounding you know what what is a a stat that i just saw in the latest poll one of the latest i think it was an nbc news poll that showed me on the issue of democracy who's going to protect our democracy better they're like basically tied the two percent difference like how do people think that donald trump is not a risk to our democracy versus joe biden it's just i think that people just are just entrenched they're tribal and they are where they are but um, the fact that I, I don't think you could prosecute him as running a sack shadow government, at the end of the day, the responsibility falls on the Republicans. They don't have to listen to him. And then the next question is, why the fealty? Why the submissiveness? We know why the Republican Party. They're all afraid that Trump owns the base, and they're afraid of their next election if they cross Donald Trump of getting primaried out by somebody further to the right of them. So here's where we stand, and it's going to be up to the, the American voter in November. Except so far, Republicans have gotten shellacked. In every
0: special election, including going into 2022. I mean, that massive red wave turned out to be, you know, a complete dud. In fact, Democrats took the bulk of the seats.
1: So why are they sticking with him? Trump has lost six of the last seven elections, no matter how you slice it, uh, as far as if you go back, uh, if you go back to 23, 22, 20, uh, 19, 18, 17. I mean, he's lost every election as far as whether it's losing the House, whether losing the Senate, whether it's his back candidates, whether it's his own presidential run. Why do they stick with him? I, the reason I just said, and I, I, I think at this point, if they lose, if the, if the hopefully Republicans lose, I think that will loosen the grip. I think it's. I think they need that one more head pounding, where uh, they lose. But it's just it's. It's staggering. The, the, Repub- the Democrats have run every special election. The question is, will they keep that enthusiastic turnout? The, you know, I was talking to Steve Kornacki yesterday for my podcast, On Brand with Donny Deutsch, um, And he was saying that the, you know, what he's concerned about from the Democratic point of view is and what most pollsters are concerned about is the Democratic base is very fragile at this point. The combination of the Israeli war and what that's done to a young young. Young voters, which is part of the base, and obviously, particularly in Michigan, the Arab American voters there are 300,000 of them and people of color uh, seems to be a vulnerable place. And those are three major constituencies of the Democratic base. So there's a lot on the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are. But so here's something which is very, very interesting. If you think about it, Trump has lost despite these wins like Michigan. He received sixty-eight percent, right? So you're talking about twenty. Well, it's actually it was uh, more like 68%, they're, they're sixty-eight percent. There's things. It's uh, he lost thirty percent, give yeah, or take, look, of you know, the Republican. That's only of the Republican base look, he, in, in South Iowa Carolina, it was 50. He lost. Yep. He
1: lost forty um, in South Carolina and New Hampshire. He lost forty. So you go and on top of that, out of those forty, uh, out of this. It, 25 percent, not out of 40, 25 percent over the overall said that they believe if he's convicted, he's not fit for office. And 25 percent have said they will not vote for him under any circumstances. So you go for a guy that seems to have a everybody says has this MAGA grip on the party. There's a lot of a lot of lot of red alarms that should be going off for the Republicans based on that. And, you know, I don't think those voters are going to come back to Trump. I think they either sit home or they go to Biden. I mean, I think, I think so as well. But the point
0: I was making is his win yesterday in Michigan was predicated off of 756,851 votes. All right. Mm-hmm. As Joe Biden, for example, was something like 800,000 votes for him, mm-hmm. where he took 80 plus percent of the... Mm-hmm. Um, Of the Democratic uh, voters that are there. My point being that there are clearly more Democrats in the state of Michigan. It is the undecideds, the uncommitteds that amounted to about 101,000 or something like that, uh, that they have to worry themselves on. But I think that the pollsters and I think that the pundits are reading this all wrong. There are in Michigan more Democrats. We also have an additional nine months before the election. We already know that they're trying to figure out something in the Middle East in order to put an end to this Israel-Hamas conflict, this war. Um, That will no doubtably change, and for the better, hopefully, right? God willing. But the part that I don't understand when it comes to the Muslim community You may not like what's going on between Israel and Palestine, and I get that, but are they so forgetful that in 2017, the very first executive order that Donald Trump put out, one that was built and orchestrated by Steve Bannon and Steve Miller, was a Muslim ban in the United States? disguised as an
1: immigration no, Michael, ban? I, I, I don't think people think that uh, Arab Americans, Muslim Americans are going to go back to Trump. The concern for Democrats is they stay home. And that that's the issue that they just say, I'm not voting for you, of these guys, particularly if things are the way they are now in Gaza. So I don't think those people are ever going back to Donald Trump. The question is, are they just disenfranchised completely? And does that cut into Biden's base?
0: Understood. And again, I would yeah. then say to them, As Joe Biden said, what's the alternative? The alternative is a guy who will guarantee, I guarantee on the short list for AG will be this MAGA Mike Johnson who wants Mm -hmm. to change and turn America, as he said, back into a white Christian nationalistic country. First of all, we never were a white Christian nationalist country, but that's what MAGA Mike Johnson said he wants to do. Couple that with what Trump tried to pass in 2017, a Muslim ban. You stay home. You know the expression, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get involved. You're going to stay home and be apathetic to this election. You could end up with a Trump victory, which means you're either converting to Christianity or you're leaving this country.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it is a binary choice. And, you know, that is. Your point is well taken. Having said that, though, if you're an Arab and you know how staunchly what an Israel supporter I am and, and how outspoken I've been on Israel's behalf, is that if the war is still going on and they have relatives that are being bombed, it's still not going to bring them back. It's, it's a choice where they'll just go, I believe I'm not going in either direction. But your point is well taken.
0: Yeah, well, that'd be their mistake. So, yeah, going back to Moscow, Mike Johnson for a second. I mean, he's totally against aid to Ukraine. He says that we need to secure the border before we help our allies. I mean, how yep, this yep. rookie, how this yep. rookie speaker can just give Ukraine to Russia is absolutely beyond me. Well, we'll who's to blame? An- answer me this, because it's a branding. But Donnie, it is a branding yep. question for you. Who's to blame for the rebranding of Putin in America? And how do we stop it?
1: Well, you know who's to blame. It's it's uh, your old boss, Donald Trump, uh, who is uh, affectionately smitten with uh, despots, whether it's uh, Kim Jong-un or, uh, or Orban. Uh, he, he These strong men titillate him for some reason. So that's who's to blame. And, and you know, it, he hits a nerve, that nationalistic nerve, that very simplistic view of we can't help other people until we help ourselves completely not understanding that the NATO and the EU and that we're set up and that together we're stronger and that we give aid for selfish reasons. Also beyond humanistic reasons, Mm -hmm. the average person, when you, when Trump says to the average guy, Hey, look at your life sucks and we're sending it to Israel or we're sending it to Ukraine. The the average guy who does the average person who doesn't understand any nuance. Yeah. What fuck that? And, that's the nerve that Trump hits, and so Trump is obviously the one to blame for that. We know that. And that, in fact, Putin is a murderer, and yet Trump will go on and and just praise him, and uh, and Putin's laughing is is all the way all the way to the end. Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and a brighter smile?
0: Well, before you visit a dentist, you should know that their whitening treatments can be very expensive. And it's not just the price. You also have to book the appointment and schedule time away from work or family to sit in a dentist's office chair while undergoing the procedure. I mean, let's be honest. It's a hassle. Fortunately, now you can try Smile Actives at home or anywhere, anytime. Smile Actives offers a safe and an affordable alternative to those expensive whitening processes. Like most people, I'm a big coffee drinker. I drink a ton of coffee. And over time, I've noticed that my teeth have lost some of their brightness that I was originally used to seeing. 97% of Smile Active users in a clinical trial reported up to six shades whiter on average, all within 30 days. I'm using it. Look, I mean, simply add Smile Active Pro Whitening Gel to your regular toothpaste. It's been formulated with PolyClean technology to boost stain removal and deliver active whitening ingredients into your teeth, grooves, and crannies so that you get better whitening. Small Actives makes a teeth whitening gel that can simply be added to your toothpaste every time that you brush your teeth. So no change in your routine, no extra time, and no more messy strips, trays, or lights. People will start commenting on your whiter, your brighter smile in just days. Smile Actives is the whitening boost your favorite toothpaste needs to give you the smile that you deserve. So I want you all right now to visit smileactives.com forward slash Cohen today today. To receive a special buy one, get one free offer with auto delivery plus free shipping and handling. That's smileactives.com Cohen. Terms and conditions apply. So see the site for detail. But it's not just Putin, right? Let's talk about some of the other autocratic strongmen that he has this weird Love letter affinity to, right? Kim Jong un, a guy who, you know, murdered his own uncle because somebody told him that he was trying to take power. Or, you know, you have, uh, as you said, you have Orban, you have Mohammed bin Salman. I mean, the fact that he, Mohammed bin Salman was given a pass on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, I mean, an American passport holder, again, is something that I find offensive. But you have, you know, um, I mean, how many more of these autocratic wannabes Look, is this guy going to praise? I'm not in,
1: I'm not inside Donald Trump's mind, but I think it, you would be better suited for this you may even hinted at me once that something like this came out of his mouth i think in his mind if he could divide up the world between him china and russia and they and he stays in power forever and the united states empire grows and we split up the world and fuck everybody else i I think that would be his simple mentality right up until the point that once that existed assuming Mm -hmm.
0: that that would happen within the next x number of years because look he's Going to be eighty years old himself soon, anyway, right? Nobody is happy with what they have; they always want more. So if he, right, 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 especially, especially him. Obviously. And by the way, no different than Xi Jinping, no different than you know than uh, Putin, no, you know, no different than Kim Jong Un. Okay, they'll whack up different pace, you know, pieces of the of the globe, but then ultimately. One will go sure. against the other wanting to take that piece, too. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, that sort of land-grabbing his, shit history. has gone on throughout history. all
1: of history, right? Yeah, yeah. So, look, obviously that's not a scenario anyone wants. But I, what, I, what I, I'm going to ask you a question for a minute. What I still don't understand is how people do not comprehend how dangerous a next Trump presidency would be because he's smarter now. And he would figure out how to get the checks and balances out. He wouldn't surround himself with the Mattises and the Kellys. Uh, and he wouldn't, he would have the right AGs in the various states. And how people truly don't understand how our democracy, as we know it, would be over. How he would he would be his own Justice Department, would be his own military. He wouldn't have a Mark Milley in there. Uh, and all the guardrails we had wouldn't be there before. And guys like you and me would be targeted. You know, anybody who was an adversary, a political adversary of his, He'd come after. And it's it's, the playbook is there. It's very clear.
0: But it's not as if, though, Donnie, you and I are making this up for the purpose of my listeners, for the purpose of being hyperbolic. These are Donald's own words. In fact, he wants to use SEAL Team 6 to go after his political enemies. He has called for the execution of... General Mark Milley and, you know, and others, uh, the president of MSNBC. I mean, these are not our words. These are us parroting what Donald Trump has said while he's on the campaign trail. You know, one of the things, Donnie, that I turned around and said, I wrote this and I was just talking on both, you know, my TikTok as well as on uh, Instagram. Throughout Trump's presidency... He's demonstrated a disdain for constitutional norms and a desire to consolidate power in the executive branch. Again, not you and me
1: saying it, him. Uh, Well, uh, uh, authoritarians tell you what they're going to do. One thing, one thing, uh, a positive, I can't even say a word about Donald Trump. He's transparent. He lets you know what he's going to do. There's not even a question. That's what that's what dictators do. I mean, when he turned
0: around and said that on day one, he wants to rewrite the constitution, he wants to destroy our tripartite system of government, confer all power onto the executive branch. What is he telling you? He's telling you that as the chief executive, all power will be conferred upon him. Here's another line that Trump has said over the course of the last three years, or I should say seven years. That the president is like a king, he's. I think the first president in history in United States in the United States history that has said that the president is the king.
1: So, Michael, what's uh, my question to you is: We, we know we. This is un- unfortunately apparent to many people, not to everybody. Democrats are right now. It's a, you have to say it's a toss up. Uh, you know the polls say a lot of different things, but it's a toss up. Trump seems to be a little ahead in some of the swing states. And so much is going to happen between now and then. Uh, you can't even imagine. And, and, but what do the Democrats do? What, if you were advising the Democrats, I mean, I get asked this question all the time. You see, you know, the economy other than inflation is rocking, yet Biden gets terrible, terrible grades on the economy. Uh, he gets terrible grades on, on dealing with the Israeli matter. He gets terrible grades on immigration and nothing is nothing is sticking for him, and yet it's been a very successful presidency. And of course, the big doc is—he's too old. So, what do you do if you're the Democrats? What's the messaging? Okay, so
0: let me take the first part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the polls, and I don't believe that this election is going to be the way so many are describing it. It's going to be close. Um, you know, the swing states are. Uh, issue, I, I believe that this is going to be a massive blue wave across mm-hmm. both the House, the Senate, and I believe as well as the White House. Um, your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. Um, and I, I say that because we know that the biggest voting block, and again, it all is predicated on the outcome. If there's another mm-hmm. big turnout, which I expect that there will be, I think that, Democrats win if there's a big deal. Democrats win and decisively. I say this because the biggest voting block being Gen Z as a result of the blunder of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the ongoing continuous Donald von and pants sticking his mint-flavored gold ugly fucking sneaker right in his own mouth, all right, saying that thanks to him that he should be patted on the back for putting in Supreme Court judges that overturned the 50-year yeah. stare decisis on the Dobbs decision on Roe v. Wade, which has other implications too, including the overturning of the Bivens case, Obergefell, and so on. Gen Z is not going for it. Now, I'm not talking about the Bible belting, you know, uh, 18 year old 21 year old I'm talking about the majority of this country like the vast vast majority that are watching as women's rights are being stomped on uh, mm-hmm. you know now with this latest horse shit dealing with the IVF that if you have frozen embryo and you dispose of it, you could be charged with murder along with anybody that disposes of the egg uh, and so on I mean. We've gotten to a point that we are even we're even further crazy than The Handmaid's Tale, the dystopian story. Right. So I don't believe at all that Gen Z is voting for Donald Trump. That's 80 percent. But that's 80 percent of a massive block of voters. And Mm -hmm. who are really the Trump supporters? Who's really the bulk of the Republican Party? Yeah, you have your very loudmouth, maggot morons. You have the white supremacists. You have old people that for some reason think Donald is some fucking, you know, reincarnation of Jesus, the second coming. Right. We both know that he doesn't have a religious bone in his body. So I really believe that as long as Democrats, as long as Joe Biden. Continues to get out there, and this is what Democrats have not done. They don't let him get out there.
1: Don't do well, it every. Well, I mean, look, that was a mistake to not have him on the Super Bowl. Uh, that was would have been a friendly place to be. It's not on Fox, and they're concerned. I mean, that's and the American public is sensing a trepidation on their behalf. And look, both these the, the good news for the for the Democrats, is the more Trump is out there, the better for the Democrats. Trump has not been out there that much. So it's going to be interesting to see both these guys, because I think both their parties don't want either of their own candidates out there that much. It's kind of a sad state of affairs, but that's where we are. Right, but Donald
0: ended up calling
1: Melania the other day at CPAC
0: Mercedes. He's got his Mm -hmm. own fucking wife's name. He constantly calls Nikki Haley Nancy Pelosi, or he refers to things—
1: but the other thing is also the more he's out there, the more he's going to keep shooting himself in the foot. Like he said, oh, there's, I only see black faces out there and, and they like me because I'm a criminal. And, and, and you know, the more he's out there, the more that fucking ridiculousness, racist tr- tropes and other stupid things he says are going to be apparent. So, you know, my hope for the Democrats is that he's just nonstop out there 24-7. Uh, if it becomes a referendum on on him, Democrats win if it comes a referendum on Biden, the Republicans win. Yeah. Well, well, well say. So look, then you have
0: insurrectionist and Pennsylvania representative Scott Perry, who's out there calling on the House to disinvite President Biden from giving the State of the Union address. I mean, again, I, I don't even know how to respond. I I yeah. It's if it wasn't that this is so, so Stupid, you would cry from it. They're going to disinvite the president from giving the State of the Union address. He's worried that Biden will blame Republicans for walking away
1: from a border deal.
0: He Fair, will. Enough. He will.
1: Fair enough. Fair hey, enough. Look, I think that State of the Union address is really important for Biden. I think it's a reset button. Uh, I thought he did a nice job on Seth Myers the other night with our, our yep. by our good friend Hallie Raff. Um, I think that. It's a chance to reset, and it's a chance for him to look presidential uh, and strong. And uh, it's a big moment for him. I think it's March 7th. It's 6th or 7th. I'm not sure. But uh, it's a big moment for him.
0: But going back to your branding expertise, Mm -hmm. hence, of course, your podcast,
1: what message does it send out to the voters? I I think that there's a lot of noise out there that I think voters naturally tune out. So when you have Republicans saying we're going to disinvite him to the State of the Union, I think that's the noise that just doesn't land. I think the important stuff lands. As far as the message for the Republic, for the Democrats, what I would do if I was in charge of them, I, I think it's, it's really a do or die situation. I would get. Kelly, Mattis, McMaster, um, Milley, four generals who have served under Donald Trump to come out in the most heartfelt direct to camera way and say I've been there we're going to be unsafe he's not fit for office and these are great americans these are americans that you know are you would say red state you know meat in effect i mean this mm-hmm. is you know they're white generals of age conservative uh, you know really a dire Dire warning. That would be the cornerstone of my thing in saying that we, we, we've done things a certain way for 250 years. We can't blow it up and, and everybody's life will be unsafe. Coming from, I don't know where you get more credible sources. That would be the foundation of my campaign and then go from there. You know
0: what always conf- confuses me when you start to see all of these, these trolls uh, on, for example, X, right, on Twitter. Uh, or other social media platforms. And they come hard at you, at me, at Mm -hmm. folks right now that are not fitting into what they want, which is only positive comments about Trump, even when he says things that are batshit crazy, right? And then you call them out on The level of stupidity on the autocratic comments, on the racist, the sexism, misogyny, xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, it doesn't make a difference to them. If you say something nasty about Donald, they go in right for the attack. But many of them in their profile list themselves as veterans, Mm -hmm. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, etc. Oh, and we
1: know Trump has come out and said, well, what's wrong with people that they would risk their lives for their country? Why they're, They're stupid. They're suckers. You know, he said this, and they still they still go stand behind him.
0: And he already called for the execution of a general, a guy who has given his entire life to the protection for our democracy and in service of our country. Just like them, how could you possibly, if you are really military, how could you possibly stand by somebody who is demeaning and denigrating? Somebody who has because, achieved the absolute highest ranking in the military. In, the,
1: in their, What Donald Trump has sold, Donald Trump understands that there are enough unhappy people in their own lives. And if you say to people, it's not your own fault. It's the Mexicans fault. It's the bank's fault. It's the elite's fault and I'm going to make things the way they were and things will be more white again and things will be, and technology won't be as prevalent and we're not going to be globalists and you'll be okay. You'll overlook a lot of other stuff because it, he is the key to your own personal resurrection and that's the kind of core psychology that people will overlook all of these rational cogent uh, thoughts because this is the guy that's going to Make my life okay again, and it's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault, and he understands that. Yeah, okay, I get that for the average American,
0: but I always mm. believed because I know a few um, who have served in the military, and it's like it's like um, a fr- it's your fraternity. It's yes. kind of it's it's your identity. It is your yeah. identity. I'm a veteran, right? Or I'm you know I'm active military. It's your it's your fraternity. The, Donald is not just calling for the expulsion of the president of the fraternity. He's calling for the execution of the highest ranking member of your fraternity. Literally, right, the general. I, I can't understand. I don't care what line of horse shit he's selling to them. It just doesn't make sense. They're not stupid people. They serve, they risk their lives, you know. And yet, there they are at his rallies. Veterans for Trump proudly waving the flag. I don't get it. How do you deprogram that? I
1: I gave it the best explanation I have, and it's a a humanistic uh, kind of analysis of it. Um, I think that their explanation would be, well, Millie was a traitor, and he he defied our commander in chief. And this, uh, people can work, we're so tribal at this point. People are so entrenched, other than two or 3% of the population that they're going to work back from whatever their view, initial viewpoint is and kind of put the pieces together that way. So the answer would be if I'm a serviceman for Trump, the answer would be he's not going to take shit from any of these other dictators. He's going to let our guys loose. And Millie was a traitor and we can't have that. And that's not what the military is all about. Turning on your commander, your direct. You know, I was brought up in the military to learn. You're direct superior. You follow orders unconditionally. Without that, the military doesn't work. So you can come up with a whole bunch of rationalizations if you're starting with, that's my guy no matter what anybody says.
0: Hmm. Good answer. <laughs> I mean, Sad to, answer. To, to Sad answer, said but... is right. Now, Tuesday, obviously, uncommitted, had a surprisingly good day in Michigan because of voters opposed to President Biden's handling of the war in Gaza. Mm-hmm. But the president has been clear I mean, really crystal clear that if Netanyahu doesn't abandon this current strategy, that he will lose
1: America's support. Yeah. What's your, what's your well, thoughts on that? You know, it's a, I interviewed this morning, it hasn't aired yet, Ron Dermer, who's the... Uh, sure. Uh, he's basically BB's number two. Uh, and, I, you know, his answer is it was very interesting, because I said Tom Friedman wrote a great piece yesterday that... Uh, you know, basically, Israel is losing its biggest asset acceptance by its peers and friends and whatnot. And he basically said, we don't fucking care. We have to protect ourselves. You know, we, we're not running a popularity contest here. And Amer- U.S. is not going anywhere. I think people see that Biden is saying that, but I don't think that there's true the words like U.S. is not going to abandon Israel. They can't. So Biden is in a very tough position. You know Biden. On, on the one hand, I think Biden, and I think that no, nobody wants to see innocent civilians killed. But I think a lot of, I think Egypt, I think UAE, I think Saudi Arabia, I think United States—they're all going to say certain things. But I think on some level, they want Israel to continue doing what they're doing because they have to take Hamas out. They can't. They, we can't go anywhere. It's it's a Rubik's cube. It's an unsolvable problem, and Biden's got a real problem here.
0: Right. Except so Rubik's cube can be solved, and I've I've seen guys solve that in you know. As Trump would say, I could solve it in 10 seconds.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Look, I'm not a fan of Netanyahu at all. And like you, I'm not a fan of innocent civilians on any side being mm-hmm. killed. But I, I've asked this question of so many people and not one person has been successful in the answer because it's one of these questions that doesn't really have an answer. What is a reasonable and... Acceptable response to what Hamas did on October 7th by well, Israel. Well, answer it
1: another way. What, what would it, it was saying an interesting thing. And he's not the first person who said that. If you just do co- population to population, if the equivalent, what would the United States do? There were, it would be like 50,000 people were killed, 10,000 were taken hostages. And would we be put under the same microscope? No, we would have to obliterate the enemy until we, by the way, if you look at um, Mosul. We took out so many more when you go kind of just, you know, analogy percentage of civilians to the amount of bad guys that we got. It was like 5X, and nobody put the United States under that microscope. The problem you have is everybody's saying we need a two state solution. Then you go, okay, two state solution. Does that mean uh, Palestine gets its own military, gets its own, you know, airspace, gets its own thing, things that would truly put Israel? Uh, in tremendous peril people go well no we would put you know barriers on but then it's not a fair to real two-state solution it's a it's a some problems don't have a crisp solution uh the two-state solution doesn't work yet israel staying occupying gaza and occupying the west bank in these current conditions doesn't work i don't know i don't know
0: right i I mean because as you said there really is not i become a hardliner
1: i I become a hardliner and you know uh Nobody wants to see innocent people killed. Innocent, the Nazis, because of the Nazis, the same way because of Hamas. Innocent Germans were killed in getting rid of the Nazis. And what uh, Dermer was saying, they've gotten 18 of the 14 battalions. He sees that there are about 40,000 bad guys there. Uh, they've gotten about 30 of them. There's another 10 to go. And until we get rid of, uh, until we get that, until we get the leadership, we can't start building. The question is, what does building look like after that?
0: What does it look like?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, I, there are greater minds than mine that can't figure out. And this out. is, I don't, you know, everybody says that there's some idealistic thing. A, you, you take a, you know, a Palestinian leadership and some uh, some other leadership from the Arab countries and a whole new thing. But like, I don't know how Hamas disappears because in certain ways it's an idea. Many people say that, or Hezbollah. Where else is going to fill that vacuum? I don't. This idealized version of we build it up. It becomes the next Singapore. We tried that. Already. There's been billions of aid. And we see where it goes. So I don't know. I really don't know.
0: And this is the problem that Biden is going to face yeah. here in America,
1: November of 2024. Tremendously. And he's, look, you, he's losing, Israel is losing the hearts and minds. They, they, you know, but their attitude, he gave me a great analogy, Jeremy. He said, Golda Meir said, I'd rather be written about as unpopular than written about in an obituary. I think those are close to the words, uh, the exact words. And I think that's Israel's point at this point. And uh, we'll have to see and watch. But I don't believe there's going to be a ceasefire. I, I don't see it happen because when I even I asked Dermer about that, he was like, well, you know, when we get all the hostages back, I, he didn't, he didn't want to use the word ceasefire. He was talking about rescuing the hostages. So, so hypothetically,
0: hypothetically in your conversation with Dermer, did you ask him what if Hamas tomorrow gave back the 150 hostages that they've taken? Would that create a ceasefire? I'd be you curious know, I, I was, what he would, a in a viewer, he would have
1: said. He would have said, I think he would have danced around it. Yeah. I, I don't think they want a ceasefire. Right. I don't think they want Because then but by I the way, could understand. I, but by the way, I, I, I understand that. By the way, so that means. The terrorists came in and, and slaughtered the equivalent of 50,000 Americans. They took hostages and they gave the hostages back. And we go, OK, so we're back to ground zero. I, I can understand. You, know, you have to get you have to root out the cancer. And I think that they see that at this point. And look, I know I'm a hardliner at this point, but I don't I don't know what the answer is. I know I'm going to get a lot of letters from this and I don't want to see any innocent people killed. But Hamas has brought this on uh, and. I don't know where we go from
0: here. Nobody does, including, unfortunately, our president or anyone who would be president right now. Now, Donnie, being the hardliner that you are, I know you talk a lot about anti-Semitism. Somehow, Mm -hmm. somehow, and again, it's it's a tough question, right? We need to separate the pro-Palestinian movement from anti-Semitism, but folks here, are very black and white on this issue. Mm-hmm.
1: So how can we do it? You know, young people, so many young people, they see things as simplistically as oppressed and oppressor. Who has the darker skin? Who has the lighter skin? Who has more money? And they see Israel as a affluent country. They see it, think of it as white people. It's it's people of color in Israel. Um, you're, it's a very tough thing to turn around, particularly... With what's with when you now go that 50% of people, uh, young people, not 50% of all people, much higher percentage of people get their news from social media. TikTok is the biggest news outlet. TikTok is controlled by China. It, the algorithms are set up for much more pro Hamas than pro Israel. So the game is stacked at this point and it's scary. And I don't know what Israel does to turn it around, particularly when they have a mindset of, We just have to protect. It's an existential crisis and fuck our popularity. So it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better as far as anti-Semitism. And it's, you know, people don't separate Israel from Jews. Uh, And by the way, neither does Hamas separate Israel from Jews. Their mission is to kill all Jews. And what I try and say to people, if you kind of, if you, I I go past anti-Semitism. and say, you know, if you can't get motivated by protecting Jews, just protect its Americans, because they want us the same way they want Jews. They just they're, they're, Israel is a lower-hanging fruit. They are jihadists. They want to destroy Western civilization. Jews are the first thing they want to go. But they want to go after our way of life. If they could take out New Jersey, they would take out New Jersey. And you got to have to frame it to people that way.
0: And I still don't think that they're going to listen. It's truly, to me, I mean, I think I saw no. a statistic that anti-Semitism – in the United States, year over year, is up like 2,200%. Yeah.
1: And then right after
0: anti-Semitism, you have
1: 600% 600 right? After October 7th, it went up 600%. Hate crimes. You would think it would be the opposite way, but no.
0: Right. And then after anti-Semitism, you have the anti-black. I mean, it's unbelievable. The one thing that I can tell you, and I was speaking with Reverend Al about this, uh, you know, we were just sitting in the green room together and we were talking about it. And I had said, you know, the anti-Semitism and the racism that goes against uh, against black uh, people in in America, they go hand in hand. And it's really one of the first times that you're seeing, you know, the two movements almost joining forces because i think that the black community realizes that after the anti-semitism that they're next and they're like you know fuck this you know Mm -hmm. you know this is you know we've dealt with more than enough you know racism Mm -hmm. against us it's things are you know things are beginning to you know at least you know marginalized themselves but now with the rise of anti-semitism you have the rise of racism as well one is not mutually
1: exclusive of the other hate hate is hate and uh it's just um i'm scared michael i don't i i i I, on the issue of anti-semitism and hatred of jews i see the way the world is stacked right now and i see the way young people look at the world and obviously that's our future and i see what's being taught in universities And I see what's, and I'm, I get worried. I get worried. You know, my youngest daughter said, my youngest daughter said to me, could there be another Holocaust? And, you know, it was only 75 years ago. It wasn't a thousand years ago. And, you know, that's what scares me about, I'm gonna try and say this the right way. What scares me about a Donald Trump, and I'm not saying Donald Trump is gonna create a Holocaust, but when the history has shown us that when somebody gets unchecked power, and someone is made up of a certain psychological fabric, anything is possible. Anything is possible against any group. That's what history has shown us. So that's why our system of democracy and checks and balances work. Because you know, I don't think anybody saw Hitler coming in and going. He didn't run on initially. You know, I'm gonna. He didn't get elected on. I'm, I'm gonna kill all the Jews. Um, That was that was his kind of second act, if you will. He got elected on. I'm going to protect nationalism and we're going to close the borders and and things like that. Um, Then once he's in power, anything is possible. So could history repeat itself here or anyplace else? Absolutely. And that's what scares me about a unchecked dictator in any country, whether it's here or anyplace else
0: yeah I'm more particularly worried about an unchecked dictator here in America because militarily we're so strong right I mean the same as I would be concerned uh, with you know with China but I mean our technology I'm concerned.
1: Who's, who's to say that thought to the, your point about the Muslim ban? he doesn't turn on a certain group of people for hundred percent he is the most transactional human being in the world he would do if if you said to him okay do this to all those people and it's going to keep you in power forever he would do it in a heart and I really believe that
0: yeah, no, no, no. You know
1: him. And you ask, you ask you... anybody that knows him. And so take your, your worst imagination and say, Donald, in order for you to become the king and stay in power forever and have untold wealth and be worth hundreds of billions of dollars, you have to do these unthinkable human things. He would do them.
0: In a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I want to say, because we were talking about Roe v. Wade before, because you've said that overturning of Roe v. Wade Will win the upcoming election for Democrats. I actually, um, I, I believe that myself. But do you think that will be true if Nikki Haley miraculously, you know, becomes the candidate? She pulls, you know, the rabbit out of her ass and becomes the candidate because she herself is staunchly anti-abortion.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll soften because, as your point earlier, Trump's been out there saying I was responsible for overturning Roe v. Wade. I was responsible, and he's a man. And he's a misogynistic man. So it clearly, with Nikki Haley, I don't think she's going to be the candidate. It certainly doesn't look that way. But Nikki Haley, the message would not be. And she would also be smart enough to pivot and move back and move move away from a a short-term ban and move away from the IVF nonsense. And she has already distanced herself from that. Whereas Trump is going to, as we know, what he does on everything is double and triple and quadruple down. So the message would not be as effective. With Nikki Haley, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, totally. So let's talk about. I want to go back to, of course, you know, you, you, and the podcast and branding. And I want to talk about Trump and his branding. I mean, he's got his new tennis shoes, a new cologne. Well, it's not really a new cologne. It's a it, it's his old success cologne, now called Victory. Right? Uh, it's in a yeah. big, ugly, fucking gold bottle.
1: I did a I did a I did a post on my Instagram about it, and I just said I want to. I mean, I showed the bottle. And I talked about how disgusting it is with a picture of him. But I want to understand the human being that wants to smell like Donald Trump. I want to meet that person. So tell me that that's an, by the way, you tell me he sells success books. You tell me he sells hats. You tell me he sells even sneakers, but a scent because he's obviously a physically gross man. And you know that man, I've never smelled him, but you know that that there's not a a fine smelling piece of humanity. How to sell a cologne just belies all logic at all. So who's buying it? I want to meet that one person that's buying Trump cologne.
0: It's unfortunately who buy you know gold sneakers with a massive T on it with red bottoms as if they're Christian Louboutin shoes, right? But the the question that I that I really want to ask you, I mean, it's to me it's just such a stupid looking sneaker. Trump says that his tarnished brand is still worth untold hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars.
1: It's not look. look. Well, we have we have proof we have proof of it already. They had to take it down off, off of buildings. It, you, you, it's hurting the you know. By the way, if he wants to open up a Waffle House in Tupelo, Mississippi, yes, it's a good brand. But for for any educated, affluent mind, and those are the people that he wants, and we know he he he, he courts. His brand is is toxic, it, and we we know that. And so, there was a value to his brand, but he cannot stand for maybe in third world countries he can or in certain countries around the world. but I stand for luxury. no he stands for a mass uh, actually his brand is about condemnation of luxury if you think about it now well his speech is out there and everything he's about and for people who hate luxury and are jealous of luxury. So the brand as he knew it is over. Um, it's the reason it's off buildings. His licensing business is over other than stupid projects like this. Um, He can cater to his audience in a very lowest common denominator way and and sell T-shirts and hats and, like I said, waffles. But uh, as far as any luxury goods, he's out of that business. Yeah, I
0: mean, think about what was the last real thing that he sold that made a few dollars. NFTs. The Apprentice. Well, uh, his hats, right? NFTs of him as, like, um, God or him as right. a, a soldier, or an astronaut, or a cowboy. You know, I mean, obviously
1: very lifelike. The TBD is going to be truth social. What's that worth? You know, they, they're saying at a certain threshold, it has a $4 billion valuation. I don't think it's going to get to that threshold. So what, what's it worth? And by the way, if you can't get real advertisers on something, What's it worth? We see the value of what's happened to Twitter, you know, is dropped by 60 or 70 percent. So I don't see Truth Social as ever being a a tremendously valuable asset.
0: You have how many people are even using Truth Social? I don't have. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. 30 million people, something something like that. And let's assume that that number is right. Let's assume that there's 30 million people that signed up for Truth Social. My question is, how many people are on the platform of Twitter, of X, or Facebook, right? They have billions. They have billions. How did they even come up with this valuation? There's no income. In fact... There was some mysterious Russian $10 million investment into Truth Social to keep it alive because it was falling apart. You know, we all know
1: how we all know how valuations are made. They just pull it out of your ass. And that's the way you value something at the beginning stages of a company. And anybody that's ever takes something out, they said we're valuing it at this. Anybody that has a brain will then caveat and say, but look, we don't know. You know what I mean? We got it. We got to start somewhere. So the answer is they pull it out of their ass. That's uh, it
0: right. Well, y- right. But you can do that privately. But when you're going public, like the SPAC wants to do through a reverse merger. But we know
1: what's happened with SPAC. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this one plays oh, out. Oh,
0: yeah. I don't I don't see this as a $4 billion venture. In fact, I don't even see it as a $400 million venture. They have
1: no income. So what are you yeah. going to, what are you? Well, that's what I'm saying. You can't monetize it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you monetize it. So uh, I don't get it. Yeah, well, it, it's you know what it was.
0: It was good for him on a front page, you know, um, news, you know, story saying which is
1: why he does everything. Which is why he does everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Donald yeah. Trump's you know net worth could be four billion just off of Truth Social alone. Yeah, yeah what yeah. I thought was really interesting.
1: Oh, by the way, what do you think he's going to do? When it's coming up. He's got to come up with close to a half a billion dollars. What do you think he's going to do?
0: Uh, it's actually yeah, it's four hundred and fifty-four million. Yeah um i don't think he's going to be able to find that money um so what's he gonna do
1: i mean he's got he has no choice i mean you know he's got 20 days at this point
0: yeah i think it's like 24 days left in order to fight in order to file the appeal uh itself you know he
1: no but he's got to still come up with the he still has to come up with the money even if he's appealing it uh
0: i listen I know he filed the notice of appeal, which does not require the posting of the bond, but to follow the uh, the appeal itself, you have to post it. I don't think he comes up with the money. I really don't. I don't know where he's going to get it from. Maybe he'll borrow it from
1: Mohammed bin Salman. The only way he'll get it is, is Trumpites who want to lend him money in curry favor and, and believe that you know somehow that, that money is going to turn into other money for them. I, I because he doesn't have, you know, it better than anybody, he doesn't have a half a billion dollars in cash sitting around, and he, he can't run a fire sale in in in, in two weeks. So, uh, and he wouldn't sell his properties anyway because that would put that would make him look weak. So, I think somehow mysterious money shows up from places that, that people who will bet that he's going to be the next president of the United States and want to have him owe them.
0: Yeah, I, I again. I think it's very difficult for even these smart guys unless he's going to go to a hedge fund and he's going to collateralize you know, his entire portfolio to them in order to cover it because his entire New York portfolio, if sold after taxes would probably cover that $454 million. That's what right. I think that he would have, whether it would be— He'd have to sell everything. And, you know, people don't know this, but he has a, a lot of commercial property around New York City. You know, in just the—just one Central Park West. He has the jean George restaurant. He also has a parking garage there. Parking garages, as you know, here in New York, they're worth a lot of money, especially one that's on Central Park West. Uh, I mean, it's worth real money. Uh, th- you know, he also has the parking garage at UN Plaza. You know, he's got a whole bunch of commercial space uh, over on 3rd Avenue and Lex Avenue. Is that,
1: is that stuff? Is that stuff underwater, though?
0: Well, the question becomes, is it encumbered? Right? right. You know, does he have mortgages on it? The answer is yeah. But there's still definitely a delta there all of that will have to be sold, including the Seven Springs property, in order to cover all this. That's a big gamble on his part. I'll tell you why it's a big gamble. Because he's got zero shot on this appeal. Zero to win this. Judge Ngoron's 92-page decision is so well-written
1: and it's well, is that? It, I think the appeal is. I don't think to overturn a conviction. I think the appeal would be to reduce the amount. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's kind of an arbitrary thing, you know. So that 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 could he certainly found guilty, and that's not changing. But the answer is okay. Should that should that you know uh, three hundred and eighty been, you know, one hundred and fifty or whatever? Just pulling numbers out of my ass. Yeah, yeah.
0: It it would be irrelevant because he doesn't have that in cash either, but. There's no doubt in my mind that the justification that Ngoron laid in that um, decision validates the judge's decision. And I don't see the appellate court overturning it under any circumstance. But let me ask you this and moving on for a quick sec. Because Republicans like Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, they had an opportunity to oust Trump from the party. But political cowardice stopped them from doing so. Well, now, they, they, now, they, wait, But now Trump is burning down and dividing the party altogether. Why can't they just
1: quit him? Look, you know that all of them, 95% of them, would love to see him gone because they're, they're prisoners. The reason they don't is they're looking two years down the road. They, they want to keep their jobs. They're weak men. They're not men of principle. And, you know, they, want, they realize that if they go against Trump, that's Trump's basis who shows up in a primary. It's the 20 or 30 percent fringe and they will lose their job and their job is their identity. It's their power base. It's their income. And it takes a person of courage like Liz Cheney to say, I don't care if I lose my job, I'm going to do the right thing. And by the way, talk about forget Republicans. How many people in general in this country? If you said, OK, you see this happening, you have to rat on your boss that he's doing this, but it's going to cost you your job. That's why whistleblowers are heroes, and we don't see a lot of them. So, unfortunately, it's human nature. People are weak.
0: Yeah, I, I went to prison for it. You know, so I, yeah. I, I get the I get the entire uh, scenario. Sure. There. Now, yeah. you know, Donny on MSNBC, you said that you're starting to feel better about the direction of the country because Trump seems weak. But do you really think that this time
1: is different? I, you know, I go back. I have to tell you, I, you know, I'm I'm I have such strong convictions. I go back and forth. There are certain days. I was at the Nick game last night, and some guy me. hey, Donnie, who, who's going to win the election? And I said, I really believe Biden's going Did to win. Did you have good seats? I, of course. You know, it's me. <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm sitting on the floor with all the fancy people. And then other days, I don't feel as bullish. I I think right now it's a coin toss. And I think that a lot can happen. Look, one of them can get sick. Both of them can get sick. Uh, you know, crazy things. Biden can be down 20% in the polls, and he steps aside. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Uh, or Trump gets indicted, I mean, Trump gets convicted, and certain things happen with the party. Look, it looks like these are our two guys, but anything can happen, and a lot can happen is between now. And so I think right now it's a toss-up. I think if the election was today, I think Trump would win. Uh, I say that nauseatingly. Uh, But I think it's very up in the air, and that's where we are right now.
0: Yep. See, I don't think he would win today in a, in a head-to-head right now, today. I, I truly don't. I think what we've seen with these special elections and some of the other um, elections that have been going on, when you get to that voting booth and you have to pull that lever, I
1: think people are really concerned. I, I agree. But what concerns me, I, I agree overall, and I agree that what concerns me are, are is Michigan. And it's a very tough path without Michigan. And I, I, my really concerns is that look, we see how close these elections are, and you've got three hundred thousand votes that are very precarious. And Nevada looks like it's shifting back, and it's just it becomes electoral paths. You know, I mean, it just it it, can can Biden win by seven million votes again? Yes. Um, The question becomes the electoral map, and that's just Michigan worries me a lot. It's I. Democrats are not going to win an election without winning Michigan. And they if they don't take all three of those states, they got to take Georgia and Arizona, and that gets tough. It's just, it's just it gets tough. It gets tough.
0: Listen, Donnie, the hour goes by quick. My last question that I have for yes, you. Yes,
1: sir. What
0: do you think of Biden's campaign so far? I mean He seems to be present on social media. My opinion, not enough, but he is present on social media.
1: And he's actually started to go after Trump. Look, he's got to go after Trump. We haven't seen it yet. You know, the campaign doesn't really heat up, I think, until May. You know, neither campaign has started, ostensibly. You know, I mean, Biden is finally going after Trump. We knew he needed to do that. His presence on social media, you know, he gets all these hits. But the messaging and the, the billion dollar messaging or two billion on each side, whatever it's going to be, has not started yet. So I, it's, it's at this point, it's an incomplete grade. What else, like right
0: now, do you think that Biden should be doing? Or I should really say the DNC, Jamie Harrison, on behalf of Biden, what could they do right now? The one thing they could
1: do is, is, is a, a dramatic executive order on immigration to take that issue and to own it. And that's why, going back to one of our earlier discussions, I don't understand why Mike Johnson is telling him to do it. Um, but some grand gesture, and I, I don't know the mechanics of it, that takes control of immigration. That, that That's the real, other than abortion, that's the, that's the emotional issue that I think really triggers people.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. My friend Donnie.
1: Thank you, my brother. Great
0: to see you. Looking forward to seeing you. Not, not through Zoom, but seeing you yeah. for a nice little breakfast. I actually, in fact, I owe you one. Um, I will see you very soon, my friend. And thank you for, for joining, you, you know, and for your insight. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. And now for today's mayor culpa. You may think that compared to Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell isn't such a bad guy. He's a rhino. He's 82 with some weird health thing that makes him suddenly freeze up and it's probably past time for him to go. McConnell has been the Republican leader for a record 17 years. He's a multi-multi-millionaire married to Trump's former transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, which is a subject unto itself. But while McConnell isn't as outwardly craven as Trump, The turtle, as he's commonly known, is no pussycat either. Let's start with the fact that he was the motivation behind Trump's tax cuts for the rich. McConnell is the reason we needed to stop the filibuster years ago. And McConnell voted to acquit Trump after the insurrection. Yes, yes, he's made a fiery speech the day after MAGA ransacked the Capitol, and I quote, The mob was fed lies they were provoked by the president and other powerful people. Which is true, by the way. But then, just weeks later, when the Senate voted on whether to convict Trump of incitement of insurrection, well, he fucking whiffed, using the excuse that Trump could be tried in a court of law. Trump is, of course, still dodging that court, but Colorado and Maine had the right idea. Keep him off the ballot as an insurrectionist under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. But because Congress couldn't get the two-thirds vote needed to impeach, Trump has used it as a defense. We are still waiting for the Supreme Court to make a final decision, but the fact remains that if McConnell voted to convict, others would have followed. Others certainly followed when he decided to block every fucking thing that Obama ever tried to do. In a 2010 interview, McConnell was quoted as saying, the single most important thing we have to achieve is for President Obama to be a one-term president. Well, you know what I got to say to that? Ha! You fucking lost that too. Because not only did Obama get a second term, but he also learned to get around the turtle by using executive orders. One thing McConnell always hated was the Affordable Health Care Act, not just because it was Obama's signature piece of legislation, but because he's a bootstrap Republican who loathes the poor and the sick. His own state is amongst the lowest by all metrics, health, education, and Kentucky, by the way, ranks 42nd out of 50 on the quality of life index. Wait a minute, he's been a Kentucky senator since 1985, and the leader of his party for almost two decades, and still, still, his state is what Trump might call a fucking shithole state. I shouldn't say that, Kentucky's fine, McConnell is the problem. He didn't give up trying to repeal Obamacare until 2022. And they never ever had a viable replacement. McConnell stole a Supreme Court seat and kept Merrick Garland from being appointed to the Supreme Court because he said it was an election year. But as we all know, he was also the driving force behind Trump's unprecedented number of court appointments, including Amy Coney Barrett who was rammed through 15 seconds before Trump lost the election. So hypocrisy is a big part of McConnell's charm. All told, McConnell was able to make 175 district court appointments, 54 Court of Appeals judgeships, and he saw three Supreme Court justices through the Senate and onto the bench. So it's going to take Decades, and I mean decades, to unwind the damage that he's done to our court system. A key difference between Trump and McConnell is that Moscow Mitch supports NATO and hates Putin. McConnell may have taken some Russian bribes here and there, but he knows that if Ukraine falls, World War III will quickly commence. And I say God forbid to that. So top contenders to be McConnell's successor are people like John Thune from South Dakota and John Cornyn of Texas. I mean, God forbid. I mean, Thune is the more moderate, so expect MAGA's to reject him outright. But maybe, just maybe, McConnell will do some good on his way out. Who the fuck knows? Stranger things have happened. I don't think it'll happen, but who knows? And as always, my friends, Thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is written by Paula Killen. Our managing producer and editor is Lisa Orkin. Mea Culpa is a Midas Touch podcast. Executive produced by the Midas Touch Network and LSJ Media Group.